Hello and welcome to Speaking Spirit, where we talk about all things spiritual. Your host, John Moore, is a shamanic practitioner and spiritual teacher. And now, here's John. Hey everybody, um, I'm going to say good morning, although I have no idea what time of day you're listening to this. It is morning where I am. Uh, it's a beautiful morning, and it's the day after the full moon. We had lots of great full moon energy to celebrate this weekend. I am absolutely thrilled today to bring a guest to you, so you don't have to just listen to my voice. Um, <clears throat> pardon me if I cough a little bit. Um, uh, I promise I'm not sick. I just having a having an allergy situation. It, it is beginning to be spring here. Um, so my guest today is Rebecca Quave, and I am trying to remember when I met Rebecca, and it was at a seminar in Boston, and I remember that my children were infants, so it has to have been uh, close to 14 years ago, so it's been a while. So my guest Rebecca Quave supports people around the world to rediscover and fully embody the love they are. Rebecca is a catalyst of transformation and expansion of consciousness. Her natural gift of activating you to your highest truth creates profound shifts quickly and easily. And after spending years caught up in the exhausting hamster wheel of striving for more, Rebecca began to, you know, unraveling who she thought she was, only to discover the indescribable life-transforming love that was already there. Rebecca is here to lovingly guide and support you through your own unique process of awakening and transformation. And with that, good morning, Rebecca. It's so nice to see you. Good morning. It is. It's wonderful to be here. And Rebecca, you are also on the east. I'm on the East Coast. You're also on the East Coast. So at least we're talking in the same time zone today, (laughs) though we're, you know, a thousand miles apart or something along those lines. Yeah, we've sort of covered the uh, north-south axis of the East Coast, haven't we? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> sort of from to, one extreme to the other. I have to I have to work on some West Coast guests and then some some overseas at some point um, to to bring on. Today we're going to talk about um, finding purpose, uh, finding your true purpose, and um, we're we're also going to talk about love and love, maybe from a perspective that. Some people are not, um, maybe not familiar with, right? Because we have this, to me, we have this uh, word love in English, which is super generic, and we use it for all kinds Mm -hmm. of things. And I know, like, I've heard, I don't know this to be true, but I've heard that in, you know, languages like Persian, there are 85 different words for love, right? And I know that, you know, in uh, in other languages, there are, many different words for love. So I, I might say, for example, I love my children, and I might also say I love a hamburger, but I don't love them in the same way, I hope, right? I'm not right, exactly. Right? Um, so uh, when I ask this question, I think of the, the old, you know, the old song, What is Love, right? You know, from the um, yeah. Night at the Roxbury, right? <laughs> dun, yeah. dun, dun, what dun, is dun. love? Maybe don't hurt. I can't sing more than that or I'm going to get in copyright trouble. Um, <clears throat> so when we're talking about love, what, how do you describe it? How do you describe love? How do you talk about love from your, from your sort of spiritual perspective of what that is? So 
Anytime you hear me use the word love, um, I'm not referring to the emotion love in any of its degrees, right? So not um, about a person that, that you love and it's this intense emotional feeling or that, you know, feeling of, like you said, of extreme like of a hamburger or a pizza or whatever, right? <laughs> right? So because and the emotion love has an opposite. It can just as easily turn to dislike or hate, you know, anything on that spectrum. What I'm referring to is an energy that has no opposite, is boundless, is all-encompassing, and is all-embracing. And the way it acts is just in accordance with its nature. So what the love I'm referring to does is it just loves, right? That's it's not capable of anything else. So it always embraces and it it's a gateway to really everything that everyone's looking for. And this love, people have such an innate yearning for that's so incredibly strong that they spend their lives searching for anything that they think is going to be sort of a watered down facsimile of that. Right. And, and then are disappointed, but that yearning is so strong. It, it goes beyond even um, safety or survival, right? Because if someone feels that they're so disconnected from having access to that level of what I'm describing as love, they'll take their own lives. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. The, the pain of believing that you are separate from that love, the pain of believing that you don't have access to that love, even though it's all pervasive, um, is intense and is what really is at the root of so many experiences for people. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I know um, I'm not a I'm not a proponent or a strong believer in the concepts of uh, the traditional concepts of heaven and hell. Um, But there is a description uh, from somewhere. It's an old one of hell as being um, separate from the light or the love of God, right? As being separated. And that is the ultimate torture, right? The ultimate state of human suffering is feeling separate from that all pervasive love. And that really, uh, that sort of really sort of rung true for me um, in a way in my own life where I discovered like I was my own, I was my own jailer. I was my own captain. Oh, yeah. I was the one who was creating those impediments, um, not consciously necessarily. Um, but my belief system. Oh, right. Of course. No one would do it consciously. Right. No one would say, right. oh, all pervasive, all embracing, boundless love with no opposite. Oh, I'll just, I'll just throw that away. Let me just chuck that away and yeah. live, live, in my, <laughs> live in my ego forever and um, suffer, you know, because of that. Um, and there's, there's another word, um, you know, in, in my take, it might be synonymous or you might have a different take on it, or you might say you don't care about that word at all. Um, but there's another, another word I like a whole lot, which is beingness, which for me, um, when, when I'm practicing and when I'm, when I'm, uh, trying to connect, um, I'm resting in this, this state of beingness, which is, 
a little bit beyond description, but I will say that it is, um, it's a sense of stillness that has kind of an ultimate peace, but also that interconnectedness. And I'm wondering if you see um, a connection between words are so limited, right? Yeah, they are. are. It's hard to describe these huge, these huge all encompassing concepts in words. But I wonder if you see a connection between the the concept of beingness and this uh, this love. I don't know how would you how would you even, I realize I'm going off on like nine million tangents here, but how would you <laughs> no, it's all right. when you describe so, love, would you describe it as a field? Would you describe it as um, or or maybe it's beyond description? I don't know. Well, ultimately, it is all beyond description, but if we're going to use words and point in that direction, then there's absolutely a relationship because what you're describing as beingness, that's a great word to point to and represent that just innate presence, that isness of you existing as the totality of what you are. And so love points to an aspect of that, right? Because love is, that love is inherently what you are. Since there's, excuse me since there's no way to separate from it yeah i mean um right you could not (laughs) you know there's believing that you're separate from it which of course brings what you described that intense agony you know right right and another another word sort of um and this is this comes from my cosmology for lack of a better term of my shamanic practice but we talk about the spirit as this um, undying, unborn, incorruptible um, piece of ourselves that um, is is never affected by external circumstances. It's never affected by our beliefs. It's never af- affected by um, our thoughts or injuries that happen to our body or any of those any of those things. And, I, and again, like that idea to me is hard to describe i have to you know i i you know we well, have because our whole language and our whole mind and and all of that is set up on opposites right it's set up in duality so when you try to describe something that is changeless mm-hmm. that is beyond duality then yeah you you'll run out of words quick. right right it's hard language is so language is so limited but it's the tool it's the tool we have and there's the old uh, there's the old Zen saying that you know Bruce Lee made sort of famous that um, you know uh, you can look at a finger pointing at the moon, but you're not looking at the moon, right? And when you focus right. on the finger, you're focusing on a pointer, um, but you're not having the experience of gazing at the gazing at the moon. And exactly. I, and I think that's sort of describing the limitations of symbols, right? Symbols are powerful. Symbols are, you know, representational, but they're just representational. They're, they're in, in their, in their, that's, you know, that is the ultimate limit is that they aren't the experience. The, the, um, you know, even the word experience doesn't seem quite, quite right (laughs) here. Yeah. So, we're going to have a podcast in which I get completely tongue-tied and and, and I'm able to talk about the topic um, because it's <laughs> deep and complex. But that's, you know, I think 
I, I, you know, I, I'm grasping what you're talking about and I hope that it's, you know, it's becoming, it's becoming sort of clear. And so in your, in your work with people and in, in, when you're teaching and that sort of thing, you're really trying to get people to identify with that love that they are at their core or, or is it something different? How would you describe that? Well, it's a process of exploration, mm-hmm. right? The key component is curiosity. So what I see so often is people launch themselves into a spiritual path that, and it, it's really coming from the same places of expectation and judgment and manipulation mm-hmm. that they were doing before, right? So it becomes oh, I have this new thing that's going to make me feel better. And so I'm going to do it so I can feel better. And eventually you're going to run into a certain limitation with that, right? It's going to, there's going to be um, a wall that you hit. Whereas when you're exploring from a place of curiosity, just for the sake of it, just because it's so alluring, to you and you leave behind the expectations about what your experience should be Mm -hmm. or what you think this will produce or what you think you'll find on the other side. That's when there's now finally enough open space and this fertile ground for what was there always, right? That changelessness to show itself to you. Right. So, the process that, that people go through and, you know, you described it as reconnecting. Um, and that's, again, we're limited with words, right? But it's, yeah, it's really just them becoming re-aware of what's present. So it's a lot of questioning and exploring in a, in a really open-ended way because the point of the questions isn't, an answer it's you sort of letting yourself be pulled into the experience of that revealing itself i really love that if Um, that makes sense it, it, it does it does and i really i really love that because i am um my nature is super curious like i have you know i have um probably donated a library full of books at some point that I personally owned and probably own thousands more that are taking up a good portion of my home. Um, I'm always wanting to explore and sort of learn. And particularly my spiritual bent is about, um, you know, going inside and learning and sort of learning what's there. And over this weekend, um, I taught an intro to shamanism class, which is, which is always fun. It's always fun really to get new people to come, to come in. And one of the things I like about, um, shamanism is that it's a path of individual, uh, revelation, right? So I may be your teacher cause I'm teaching you a technique, but I can't tell you what that means for you, what you get from that. I can't, I can't put my meaning and interpretation on top of that. And so I know because I've taught intro quite a lot, um, you know, people are, they're going to journey, they're going to have experiences and they're going to come back and say, 
know, this happened. Is that okay? I'm like, <laughs> right. of yeah. course, of course. It's not for me to judge if that's okay. Did you explore it with an open mind? Did you, um, did you, did it have a profound effect on you? Um, and if it did, then fantastic. And if it didn't fantastic, you know, well, um, and the flip side of that is people overemphasizing that, you know, peak experience or something yeah. and letting their mind really latch onto it and, and look right. Everybody thinks that they're, they're after the, um, what they expect is going to be instant gratification of the whole heavens opening and trumpets right, and, right. you know, everybody's kind of chasing that. And that's really not, you know, number one, it's not how it has to go for you. Everybody has their own way. So the second thing is that even if it happens that way in this one moment, this one flash of everything, I can say from experience, it can then take years to integrate that. Right. So there's never, there's never this instant way that people are expecting and the emphasis doesn't really, the experiences don't really matter at the end of the day. An experience is still just an experience. You know, what matters is, you know, and you're the only one that knows this is what's going on internally in Mm -hmm. you. And are you comfortable in your own skin, in your world, in, you know, in your experience, or is there something else going on? Is there that push toward, well, let's, it needs to be something else. Right. That's at the end of the day, what matters. Right. Yeah, I think um, I think the the author Adya Shanti, who's a meditation teacher and a pretty popular author. I wish I could remember the name of the book. I think he has a book that sort of talks exactly about that, about having these peak meditation experiences, even being on the, sort of the edge of what they consider enlightenment, and then kind of losing it for a while, right, and going going back because you're not always going to have. Well, what seems like losing it because right. what's happening is it's this integration that has to happen. And that's what people tend to overlook, right? There's this expectation that you're going to hit some, you know, line that you cross that is the ultimate. Right. And then that's how you're going to feel all the time is the way you felt in the throes of that experience. And that's just not what it's about. Right. You're going to get a certificate to hang on your wall. Yeah, exactly. Fully enlightened now. Certified. Yeah, right. Certified. We're gonna, um, whatever. We're going to give you a, like yeah, you we're going to give you a colored belt to wear and you, know, yeah. a hat. See, but you see, you see how it is. Look at all of our systems and how yes. they're set up to support that Absolutely. because the mind really um, is comforted by that. Right. The ego wants to be told this is your identity and and because this is your identity, you're now enough. And yet, yeah. <laughs> no matter what that identity is, you'll never actually feel like it's enough. Not really. <laughs> For sure. And I, and I, think, um, I think part of that is this sort of Western patriarchal cultural pyramid scheme, right? Where right, I totally. have to have, you know, there has to be somebody at the top of the food chain and, you know, you work your way. To tell everyone else what's what. And right. then maybe you could be that person. Yeah. Right. If you just work harder, just send more money, <laughs> send more money, put it in the envelope and you will, you will be that person. <laughs> right. You too will experience someday. these blessings. Right. Someday. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. And I, I get questions sometimes from, um, 
uh, from students because, you know, my path is, um, you know, I shamanism, when I, when I practice in a group, I frequently the only male in the room. It's a very matriarchal system. It's very, um, you know, more feminine than traditional spirit, you know, spiritual systems in my, in my view anyway. Um, and I get questions sometimes they're like, um, so what are the levels of, you know, what are the, (laughs) there's no levels. You just practice, you go, you know, train with a teacher here and train with a teacher there. And you just, you just practice. There's no levels. There's no, you know, exactly. There's not a body stamping, you know, certificate. (laughs) Although I think, you know, I I do think some people have tried, I I think there's some organizations out there. It's just not my thing and um, power to anybody and whatever they're doing, but um, it's just not my thing. I can't, I can't hack that. (laughs) It's not my, yeah, no, I get it. I, same thing. I, I don't, um, you know, I operate outside of, any particular, you know, tradition, method, whatever, whatever you would want to call it, because it's, it's really, um, about what everyone is, you know, and you don't need any particular, uh, structure for that. You know, you can, you can, and anything can be helpful to some degree, you know, right up until it's not. Sure. You know, if you were climbing a ladder to a to a second floor balcony, it wouldn't really matter if you had a rope ladder, steel ladder, wooden ladder, any of that. The question is, would you just keep climbing up and down the ladder for the sake of it because you got so attached to the ladder? Or would you actually stand on the balcony and experience whatever was there that you were hoping the ladder was going to give you this assist, you know, to reach? Yeah, that's and I see a lot of people just climbing up and down ladders, really attached and married to the ladders. Uh-huh. Right. I, I years ago, that's a great analogy. And I had years ago, I had a meditation teacher who told me, um, meditation is like noticing you have a thorn in your finger, and then you pick another thorn off the rose bush and pry the original thorn out of your finger. Once the thorn's out of your finger, you throw the second thorn away. Right. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take, you know, once once this is once you're here, once you, yeah, you don't done, just keep poking yourself, you don't just keep thorn. jabbing yourself with the thorn. You throw that away. You don't need it anymore. It's, it's you know, um, but, it, you know, it is a lesson about attachment to methodology or or that sort of thing. And I think that's an interesting segue into the other thing that we we're going to talk about today, which is about um, finding your purpose. Right. And and really if you're if you're stuck in sort of rigid systems or you're doing things habitually without really kind of examining uh, what you're doing and not giving yourself the freedom to explore and the freedom to experience different things, how how could you possibly be following your true path or your true will? Right. How would you get it? Right. How would you get and, in touch with it? And that? currently, you know, in this moment in the world, there's tons of people who are about to be stepping forward in things that most people don't understand and won't understand. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it takes that um, that curiosity and then that that deep, deep clarity that's on a solid foundation of being rooted in that peace and in that love that you are 
to be willing to step forward with it, no matter what the noise around it is, right? If regardless of anybody saying, I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that means, right? Because that's the voices that go on in their head at first as well when they come to me. They oftentimes have kind of a sneaking suspicion about what some of their gifts are or what some of what they're like being asked to step forward with are. But then there's all this other noise about what is that? How does that even look? How does that even show up? But we're at such a tipping point and such a transition point that there's just, there's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be really valuable stuff that comes forward that people haven't ever heard of that doesn't make sense to people. And that's the beauty of it, right? Is that it is completely new. So when people try to, you know, like pick their purpose from like a list of, well, you know, we've got doctor, lawyer, firefighter, you know, and like, well, which one is it? Then they're going to come up empty handed because it's, it's stuff that is not already on the list. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's like, um, please describe yourself using a label that I'm on, that I'm comfortable with, that I have experience (laughs) with, right? Um, please cram yourself into a shoebox that I can, uh, put on my shelf somewhere so I can understand what it is about you. I actually some frequently have um, difficulty answering the question, which is a really common one. It, you know, what do you do? Right. right. That's what question. I was about to say is like, see, you know, me on a plane next to someone and right. they ask, what do you do? It's a different answer every time because it's right. just going to come out in accordance with what they can understand, like what it what their frame of reference is. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you ever, do you ever just want to make something up? I'm, uh, I'm, uh, (laughs) well, I, I went through, you know, years and years ago, gosh, how old is my son now? Um, 20. So, you know, over 20 years ago, um, before things, you know, opened up for me and changed for me, um, I would put just because I was a little bit of a smart ass as well (laughs) when I had to fill out forms because I was just at that time, you know, I'd been a scientist before I was in um, genetics research, but then I was staying home with him. And when I had to fill out forms, I would put um, lactation engineer. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's what I felt I did most. I spent so much time doing was nursing him 24 seven. So lactation engineer. And I would just watch people's faces when they read the form. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's in, in, uh, in unharmful ways, it's fun to mess with people sometimes. Right, right. There's exactly <laughs> no harm in that writing yeah. lactation engineer. Right. And, and maybe you gave somebody a chuckle or, or, a, or a thought at some point, and, you know, that's, <laughs> maybe that's totally fine. So if I were, if I were somebody who, um, you know, I feel like I'm somebody who I'm maybe approaching some understanding of what my, what my, what I would consider my purpose. Like I'm, I'm, I'm almost 50 and I'm getting to the point where, um, stuff that doesn't make sense to me at all. And I don't, um, don't feel like it is coming from that place of love is falling by the wayside. Um, or if I pursue it, obstacles, you know, the universe or whoever are, you know, places obstacles in my path to say, uh, you can go down. Yeah. So you're getting more aware of that natural alignment. Right. Right. So there's this, there's this alignment. Um, is, is there, you know, if somebody were like, gosh, I don't even know, I have no idea what my purpose is. And I realize like, 
I'm not asking you to condense everything you do with everyone into, you know, the remaining <laughs> minutes of this podcast, but where would somebody begin? Where would somebody sort of start to suss out, you know, I just feel like I'm stuck. I feel like there has to be more in life. I feel like I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not operating from that place of that place of love identification. Um, how, how would one begin? Yeah. So first of all, with what you said of operating from that place of love identification, that's really the primary purpose, mm-hmm. right? That everyone has is to experience what it is to within this place of duality and physicality to, to be aware of that simultaneously, right? That's what on a fundamental level everyone's come here to have the opportunity to experience. So because inherently we all know what it's like to be a thousand percent aware of that all the time. That's what, that's what our true being is, is all about. Right. Right. So however, to condense yourself into this extreme, you know, duality and limitation and, and density of the physical world as, as it exists currently, um, and be aware of that is then this really new, unique, amazing experience, isn't it? So, and it, and it gives, it brings a whole new depth to our understanding of the flavor of that love, right? When we've now experienced it, even through the limitation, even through the density, even through the physicality. So just to kind of <laughs> throw that out there, that's really everyone's purpose Um, Then what gets layered on top of that, the way that we, so everyone, how do I say and speak to this? So simultaneously, there's this universality to everything, right? And this oneness to everything. And that includes every, everybody. Mm -hmm. And then superimposed on that is everyone is this completely unique facet of this, you know, kaleidoscope and, or the, the way I often describe it is like a symphony. You, you have this one sort of music that's coming out of the symphony that's incredibly beautiful, but you have all different instruments. Mm-hmm. And even amongst those instruments, the instruments are playing different notes, right? And that's what makes the symphony beautiful. So even though it's, there is this oneness because it's producing this one music, um, it sounds different and it, and we appreciate it more than we do if we hear one flute playing one note and never changing. Right. Right. So, so then, so on top of that overall purpose that I just described, everyone is then here to bring their unique singular note through their particular instrument. Mm. And if they don't, then it's not this incredible symphony, right? It's going to be, it's going to be dull. It's going to be off key. Something's going to be missing. So as far as them starting to connect with that, I'm just getting back to your original sure. question, sorry, um, is start at the center of their heart because they do know. There's nobody who doesn't know. There's nobody who doesn't have answers for themselves. It's just a matter of are you listening? Are you aware? Are you letting it come through? Are you willing to connect with it? And does it scare you? Mm-hmm. Right. And do you have lots of other noise, you know, piled up around it 
that now needs to be resolved. Because in the center of your heart, you know, there's something that you've all along been drawn to and you've pushed it away and forgotten it. I, I would absolutely concur with that. And I love your, um, I love your analogy of the symphony. Um, I'm going to steal that. I promise I will give you credit for it. When I, do, <laughs> okay. I will remember to say where I got it from. I'm going to, but I'm going to use that. Um, uh, and the other thing you mentioned, um, which I think would might be helpful to touch on too, is the noise that creeps up around this. Right. And that is, that plays really well on you know, talking about this symphony, there is a lot of noise and the noise can be our own noise. We create our own noise right from our past experiences, from uh, the culture that we impress with. And then there's a, there's an awful lot of noise that comes from sort of ex- externally as well. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking of a client. Which is ultimately then all the same noise. Yes. Yeah. It's because just even even the external noise is the only thing bothersome or not to you about the external noise is if you have a reaction to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So to, to two different people, the same external noise, one of them is not even going to notice it, and the other one is going to be deeply impacted by it. Yes. Absolutely. I I was thinking. I was thinking specifically of this um, client I had recently who is an amazing artist um, and his work is profoundly spiritual. Like I, it, you know, I'm uh, not an expert in art, but when I look at this person's art, I, I'm affected by it myself. So I know I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And, um, you know, his thing was I have a lot of haters out there or like, how dare mm-hmm. you put this out in this way and do this and do that. And, you know, all of those things. And you're absolutely right. The, the thing that was holding him back was that he was taking that stuff on. Um, and especially if, if anything you do involves stepping out into public, into the public eye, um, there's going to be that, that noise on it. And my sort of, uh, my take on it was, well, you know, do you think, what you have to share is more important, impactful and loving to the world than what the haters have to share with you than the haters shutting you down. Do you think, do you think the haters shutting you down is more important than you sharing this profound um, art with the world? And it sort of, I think it like clicked in at that point. And like he, he realized that like, this is what I'm here to do. This is my, this is my purpose is to share this, share this stuff and the way that I do that is is with art kind of thing. And that's not to say um, necessarily that anybody's true purpose has to be stepping into the public eye, right? It could be, could be anything. Exactly, exactly. So for some people, the, the acceptance that they have to come to, you know, maybe their ego has been very fixated on that that's the only way to make a difference, mm-hmm. right? And their process is to find out that it's, that it's not that, right? That they're more seemingly behind the scenes and that that has the, the exact same value. Yeah, so what you said about the person taking on, I think is the way you put it, what was coming from the haters. You know, when that happens, what's going on is what they're saying has a resonance with what's unresolved in him. 
So for everybody, regardless of whether it looks like what's going on is internal, is external, it's coming from society, it's coming from a loved one, it's coming from a family member, any of that, the exploration is to go deeply to the root of what uh, interacts with that and, and resolve it. Because once that's fully resolved, then it completely changes. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm, you know, and I'm thinking of, um, my, my daughters, when they were little, they would come home from school and they would be upset. Um, and you know, somebody, uh, somebody said, Oh, you're stupid or something along those lines. And they would be upset about that. And I said, well, you know, are you stupid? Is that a true thing? And they're like, no. And I would say, well, why are you upset that that somebody, and I understand, and I, I, like, I did understand that, um, you know, social approval is really important at those ages, but I was trying to point out the sort of the folly of the situation. I said, so I said, are you a, are you a chair? And my daughter would say, no, I'm not a chair. So if I called you a chair, would that make you upset? Because it's not true about you. Right. And they would go, oh, okay. And then it was, it would sort of, it would sort of, um, it would sort of click. And I knew that it was about sort of pure disapproval. However, um, I wanted them to see the folly of, of the, uh, the folly of that, of, you know, somebody calling you something and not, not hopefully taking that on board, especially at an early age where it's going to creep up later in life. Where, yeah. you know, if you, the more you sort of buy into these messages that you are somehow broken or. Exactly. Cause that's what it comes down to, right? It comes down to that awareness of love, right? And that awareness of your own access to love in any moment. So the reason she had a different reaction to someone calling her stupid than, and I'll just speak generally here, sure. right? Cause I don't know her experience in particular that generally someone has a reaction to someone calling them stupid versus someone calling them a chair is that there's no judgment about, well, that if I'm a chair, I then won't have access to love, right? right? There's judgment about if I am stupid, I won't have access to love. So your whole system is on guard against having any identity that is on the list of, if you're this, you don't have access to love. Right. So even though she knew, as you helped her help point out to her, she rationally knew she wasn't stupid, that that part underneath that's looking to always protect her and and be on guard for her and try to make sure she has access to love said, oh, wait a minute. What? Stupid. Stupid's on the list of if I'm that identity, I won't have access to love anymore. And of course, there's not going to be the same reaction for a chair because we don't have that kind of a judgment against it. Right. So ultimately, that's what's going on so deeply with people uh, just across the board, whether about in relation to that willingness to step out in their purpose or just the seemingly smallest day-to-day moment-to-moment interactions with people is there's this whole system that's built around protecting you to say, do I, do I make sure that you're this certain identity to ensure that you'll have access to love? Yes. That's, that is, uh, I think that's, for me, that's the point of the day right there, right? It's that, um, yeah, I need to fit myself into this mold that equals deserving of love 
in order to yeah. in order to have access to that, that or even that even that concept of being deserving of love right. Right? right is is inherently part of that whole system because remember love just loves there's no deserving it there's no earning it there's no being worthy of it there's none of that and so even all of that is just built from this place of that initial agony that initial belief that says that we're somehow separate from it and so it builds up all of these crazy ideas about, well, how do I get back to it? Well, I'll earn it. I'll deserve it. I'll, right, you know. Right, right, Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I borrowed a practice, I think, from Eckhart Tolle. And um, it's been an important part of just my personal practice on a daily basis. And, of course, um, COVID has really changed how many people I interact with on a, on a regular daily basis. Um, and, and, and I'm an incredibly social person, so I hopefully, you know, fingers crossed we get through this soon. Um, but as I'm out and about with with people, um, you know, I'm interacting with somebody at a grocery store, for example. They're, they're ringing up my groceries or something. Um, I make an effort to give that person at least a few moments of just absolute presence, right, um, and recognize um, – just, you know, whether it's eye contact or through words or just hold the feeling in my heart that this is a, this is a human being and, you know, this is a human being and I need to give them, um, they, you know, there's that word deserving just from the fact that they exist, they deserve my presence and my, and my love. And it's something that I've tried to instill in students and, um, and my children and that sort of thing. And, um, it, I don't know if it makes, I don't know how much of a difference it makes in the lives of the people I interact with, but it makes a big difference in my life, right? Because ultimately they're, you know, people I interact with are reflections of me. And if, and if I treat them, if I treat everybody I interact with as equally deserving of love, mm -hmm. that I'm included in that circle, right? I'm included in the, the of circle course. of compassion and love. Like I deserve that too, because it is my norm that every being that exists is equally deserving of uh, existing in love. Yeah. And that they do. Right. And so what happens when you decide to um, step into operating that way, like you just described for you to be completely open and present to offer that to your interaction, it means that you're completely open and present. Right. Right. Which, um, yeah. So a question I often give to people, uh, and I think I'm not sure if I gave you this link for it's a, it's a little, I don't know if you call it a meditation or what, but it, it all hinges on the question. Does love love this? Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's not even about getting a yes or no or any other answer. It's just, using that question as an opening to let love show you. I want to say I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do love that. And I love inquiry as a, as a form of um, spirit, spiritual practice. And I think that I'm going to, I'm going to give that a try because that sounds um Definitely. Well, and it's just so simple. It's something people, you know, have reported back to me that they, they, if they carry it through their lives, 
And it applies to everything. So what you would call external and even what you would call internal. So if somebody has had a big judgment about their own grief or their own fear and been mm-hmm. long on a spiritual path to, you know, purge themselves of all of that or whatever right. and get rid of it all, it brings a completely different curiosity to, okay, so my frustration arises, my fear arises, my grief arises. Does love love it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you find out, right? Or it's a situation you're presented with. Does love love this? Or an aspect of yourself, you know, for some people, they they look in the mirror and they don't like what they see. And the question is, does love love this? Or there's some aspect of their identity that they don't like or a behavior or a habit they've been fighting up, down, and sideways to, quote, get enough motivation and willpower to break, which never works, right. <laughs> not in a sustainable, lasting way. And so that's the question. Does love love this? And does love love me even when I'm in the midst of this. I think because uh, ultimately, right. The reason they want to break the habit is because they think the habit gives them a certain identity. And if they have the break it, then they're going to have a different identity that they've judged as has more access to love. Right. So it always just comes back through that thread. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I'm uh, just from talking to you. I'm feeling, I'm feeling more open and I'm feeling, um, you know, just pondering the question in my brain. So I think that's, so <laughs> first I want to thank you for, for that, for that, um, that question, that practice of, of inquiry. I just, I think that's beautiful. Does love love this? I'm going to, I am going to practice that. I'm going to take, I'm going to take that on. Um, challenge accepted, I guess. If that's, <laughs> it's a well, like I said, it's just, it's about that light, easy, gentle curiosity that's that's really fun and becomes really joyful and just takes on a life of its own and it's about the the depths of what reveals itself to you when you do that and at the same time you know if your mind is going to be occupied and busy with something you know let it let it have a question like that so, and that's the by the way another thing that people get very locked up in that I see over and over again is the battle against the mind, the battle against the ego. Um, and most people's minds need a real, there's a, there's a bit of making up to do and bringing flowers and reconciliation because they've been in such battle, right? How, how often do you hear somebody, oh, my mind just trips me up. My mind ruins it for me. My mind won't shut up. Right. And they've been trying to silence it and shut it down and, is there a silence and a, like you said before, that total stillness that's available for us? Yes. But it's a, it's, it doesn't care about if the mind is making noise or not. Right. You know, so the mind doesn't have to be like shot down and destroyed. It has to be embraced and loved and understood for what its purpose actually is and, and, and be allowed to fulfill that purpose in an appreciated way. And then when, when that's what it has, when it's completely loved and appreciated and acknowledged for what it does know how to do, then it doesn't take on these extra burdens of I'm meant to protect you and organize your whole life and, and, and answer all the big questions for you, which of course it isn't capable of. 
right? So then it's then it gets quiet on its own because its noise was really just motivated by these underlying things. It's um, it's interesting that you mentioned when I um, sometimes I teach meditation and the number one <laughs> thing I get is I can't meditate because I can't, yeah. I can't stop my thoughts. And my yeah. answer to that is congratulations. You're alive. <laughs> right. um, um, and I guess I'm sorry that you're not the Buddha yet. Um, but you know, um, they'll quiet on their own. You don't, but if you look through even that story, right. As an example of the Buddha, he didn't get there by force. No right. one gets there by force. Right. Right. No you can't, one gets you there can't... by control manipulation. Right. More of the same old, same old. Turning right. the crank and making it tighter <laughs> and try to, I'm going to push those thoughts out of my head really hard. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a thought. <laughs> it's a thought. It's a thought and it doesn't work. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, and the, the thing is it's meant, um, in my, in my experience, um, in my experience, there is a resting in being this, a resting in love. There's a, re- that, that happens and you, you start to like, Stuff like that, I can't stop my thoughts, stops to matter. Um, and then they quiet down on their own. But um, it, it stops, and it is about this concept, how things should be, right? This is how it should be. This is how it's supposed to be. Um, yeah, expectation is the number one obstacle. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's going to, uh, that'll be my next project, how to, figure out how to get people to let go of expectation. That'll definitely Well, work. it's just the same as everything else, right? You you acknowledge that the expectation is there and you get really curious about what the root of it is. Mm-hmm. Right? And why you're attached to it. And somewhere down along that line you'll find that there's there's the idea that I have to have this expectation because of the judgments I have about what will give me access to love and won't give me access to love. Well, absolutely fantastic. Um, I feel like I could talk to you for 10 more hours um, <laughs> just on this topic alone, but I feel like we're, we're, well, I don't feel like we're, you know, my, my external reality tells me that, that it's time to, it's time to wrap up. Um, it's been really fantastic and I want to thank you for coming on. And I know that I have gotten a lot out of this conversation. Um, and, uh, if, if my listeners were to want to contact you and find out more about what you've, you've got going on, I'm definitely, I will add links in the, in the show notes and that sort of thing. But, um, how would, how would I find out more about you? Were, were, were I so inclined yeah, well, you can just turn up to my website, which is RebeccaQuaid.com. Um, there's, I do have an account on Instagram and on Facebook. You know, you could search me. Uh, those are not, you know, it's <laughs> they're intermittently active. So if if you expect to be flooded with <laughs> influencer style continuous posting or something, that's that's not what you'll find there. Um, if you're okay with sort of a, a flow of things arising when they arise, then 
then it'll be fine. <laughs> nice. And do you have uh, do you have a mailing list on your website if I wanted to sign up for a mailing list of some sort? Yeah, for sure. So right on my homepage, you can actually you'll see the the does love love this ebook right on the homepage, and there's a little form that you could put in your and that'll that'll connect you to what I call love notes, mm-hmm. where again it's just intermittently sent out. Um, reminders and if there's announcements about whatever's going on. And then there's also, I think I gave you the link for the, it's a little more in depth, which is the truth about love uh, sort of three part uh, gift. So I will, I will definitely add all of those uh, links to the show notes. Um, Thank you so much again for coming on. This has been lovely and enlightening (laughs) and, um, you know, hopefully we can, we can talk again sometime soon. You're so welcome. It's been, it's been a real delight and I would absolutely love to just let me know. Fantastic. And here's, here's our outro. been listening to Speaking Spirit with your host, John Moore. For more info or to contact John, go to mainshaman.com. That's M-A-I-N-E-S-H-A-M-A-N.com.